The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now, with Positive Living, here's Patricia Raskin. Well, good afternoon, everyone on the East Coast, and good morning, everyone on the West Coast. I'm Patricia Raskin for Patricia Raskin Positive Living right here on voiceamerica.com. You know, I want to tell you there are 80 million baby boomers on the horizon, and most of them are caught up in the chaos of being part of the sandwich generation. They're caught between their parents and their children. Many baby boomers are now trying to figure out how they are in the scheme of things, how they're going to survive taking care of their parents, and how they're going to continue to raise their children in good faith as a concerned parent. And most of these scenarios presenting themselves in the past five years are really looking at how do I take care of mom and dad, where are they going to end up, how will I take care of my own family. Some aging can be a mystery for most, but we have a guest that demystifies it and really helps us. My guest is Dr. Eric Shapira, and his book is A New Wrinkle, What I Learned from Older People Who Never Acted Their Age. Dr. Eric Shapira practiced dentistry for over 30 years. After suffering a life-altering injury, he left his practice to pursue another degree in caregiving, clinical gerontology. And you can log on to agingmentorservices.com. Welcome, Eric. Thank you, Patricia. I'm happy to be here. So tell us how you made that transition. What happened in your life? Well, I was working in pain for a long time um, in my neck due to living life, mountain biking and uh, skiing and uh, hiking and having accidents and car accidents and so on and bending over people for 35 years and mm. uh one day I was reaching for an instrument and I couldn't pick it up my my hand wouldn't work I I was uh, appalled if you can imagine and mm. um, as it turned out I needed to have some neck surgery to correct uh, some fractured discs that had calcified and were cutting my cord and um I thought I could go back to work but it was impossible there was no way I could go back the way I used to work and and do what I used to do. So luckily I had been studying gerontology for some five years before this in school, and I had this degree to fall back on because I've been teaching for 25 years, teaching people, dentists mostly, and health professionals, uh, geriatric aesthetic dentistry and special Mm. patient care Mm. on medically compromised individuals. And I still do teach that. And so I had that to fall back on, and when I finished my uh, master's degree, I actually went back and got a second master's degree in health administration because I, I felt it wasn't enough. I needed to learn my way around the system and uh, um, know the health care um, mm. regimen, if you will, to help people navigate that world. So what does it mean to be old in our current culture? <clears throat> well, being old is thinking old. That's my, my mantra, if you will. I, I tell people that we're all aging, so we're all related, but being old is a state of mind. I think it's a choice that we make. Mm. 
Uh, and I know people way into their 90s right now that are not old uh, by any means. They're, they're aging. They're aged in some sense of the word because they may have some physical compromise, but they're definitely not old. So being old is, I guess you could classify it as being infirm, not being able to function, not being able to have a quality of life, um, and ment- both physically and mentally. Mm. If you're still able to move, you're still, still able to function, you're still able to make a difference to other people in the world, by all means you're not old, as, as far as I can tell. Right. And I know people, I know somebody who was 110 and still danced at 110, went out several times a week to dance. That person's not old. I know I had a 95-year-old woman who was a patient of mine who wanted her her teeth restored, and uh, people criticized me for going ahead and restoring her mouth, but, you know, this is what she wanted. Mm -hmm. Uh, She wanted to look good and feel good, Mm -hmm. and by all means, she was not old. She loved to dance, and she had a 70-year-old boyfriend. Yeah, it's so, I mean, she's living life, and you know, if you can live life each day, you're not old. So, what do we need? What are the attributes we need to effectively navigate aging? Is it our attitude, or is it more than that? Well, it's attitude is everything. I, I tell people, aging, you know, being old is mind over matter. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, there are certain um, certain entities that we need. I guess you could say to stay healthy as we age and uh, become older. Uh, I, I tell people that I'm an aging specialist, and most of my friends joke with me and say that I'm just a specialist who's aging, which is true. <laughs> We're all aging. But one, we need to keep our minds stimulated. Very, very important to stimulate your mind uh, either by work, uh, things related to work. Working on a computer for several hours will increase your brain power by 20%. Um, doing puzzles, playing cards, um, any kind of board games or table games, working the computers, I said, um, doing math problems, reading, learning vocabulary, all those things stimulate your mind. A second thing would be staying social. Uh, I really think it's important to not spend all your time alone or cloistered because then you get caught up in yourself and you may have a tendency to get depressed. So being social is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're a member and, of you a know, club. One, one of the things when you were talking about being active in your mind, so, so many of the guests that I've had on have talked about how when you use your brain, that you're actually in, you can actually increase the, you know, the, the cells in your brain. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the fact, matter. You're absolutely right. And people who've had strokes, who've had brain damage to some extent, can actually improve those damaged cells by working those cells. You know, I look at the brain as a nascent child, and it likes to be stimulated, it likes to learn, it likes to be teased. We effectively only use about 10% of our brain power. Hmm. So they did some studies at Stanford uh, not too long ago, and they found that working the injured parts of the brain, you can restore a lot of those synapses by doing the exact stimulation to that area that is necessary to make it work. And um, you're absolutely right. So uh, learning new things. If you, brush your, if you brush your teeth with your right hand, um, switch to your left hand. Now you're mm-hmm. fooling your brain. If you comb your hair with your left hand, comb it with your right hand. Do things differently. You know, I, I have a, 
an orientation I do for uh, student scholars for Rotary International, and I had a a man from the uh, um, State Department come and talk about watching your back. And <clears throat> one, of, excuse me, one of the things he said was, you know, always uh, take take a different route every day. Yes. Don't take the same route uh, that you walk on. Uh, one day, the next day, because you don't want to be predictable. And I think some things are good being predictable, but I think if you can follow that information, follow that advice, by changing your pattern, you're stimulating your brain. Absolutely. I think it's a good thing. Well, that and also what about being physically active? Definitely physically active. Um, You need to stay ambulatory, uh, walking, is recommended. Uh, the, the Surgeon General says that we should exercise at least 30 minutes a day most of the days of the week, and that's like all the days of the week if you can. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to do sometimes because the only thing we exercise is our finger on the uh, TV control buttons. Or on the computer. But you can exercise. You know, the average for watching television in the United States is seven hours a day for people over 65, if you can believe that. And if you take those 49 hours a week, and put them into some productive, creative mechanisms, such as walking or exercising or painting or helping somebody else, you're really going to make a difference. And that's what I advise people to do. So you can do walking, you can do running, you can do bicycling, you can do skating. I know lots of older people who skate. Um, Anything you can do without harming yourself is recommended as long as you move. Move your joints, move your, move your body, stimulate your heart. And the object is to increase your cardiac output, uh, especially if you're walking with somebody else. You want to walk to a point where it's difficult to talk to the person you're walking with. And then you know you're really pumping the blood through your heart, and that's important. All right. What about baby boomers? What do you say to baby boomers? We're all aging. We're all getting older. What do you say to them in terms of reducing the fear of of aging and maybe looking forward to it? What should we as baby boomers be doing? And I include myself in that. Well, I I was a a preventive or preventative dentist trying to prevent disease, and I'm the same way as a gerontologist. I really think that Part of the information, I, or most of the information I wrote in this book, is to educate people about what's out there and how to how to prevent it. Uh, I think the baby boomers are way ahead of every other cohort of our society and our culture because they're the most educated, the most wealthy, the most uh, technologically savvy in the history of our country, and I think that um, that alone makes them a ripe audience for staying youthful or staying young. So they have the opportunity to be preventive about their lives by watching their diets, by doing the exercise, the brain exercise, the physical exercise, by, by staying social, by being intimate, by getting out of themselves and making a difference in the world. I, I think that you know many older individuals, our elders, may not be technologically savvy. So um, one of the things I advocate is is giving your gifts away. If you don't know what your gifts are, you know you you, you won't know until you give them away. So if if you know how to work a computer, then go volunteer at a senior center and teach somebody how to work a computer so that they can have that benefit in their life and that that joy of learning new things. So the boomers need to be proactive about themselves. They also need to be proactive in the sense that. Um, we need to see a physician on a regular basis for checkups. I mean, I, I'm a boomer also, so I go 
and just had a uh, an echo stress test because I know cardiac disease runs in my family, mm-hmm. and uh, I want to make sure. But we sure need to my, be proactive, get our checkups, and to take care of ourselves more. Yes. Because, and 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 be more mindful. Well, mindful and aware that there are things out there out there that can damage our our um, physiology and our mental abilities. So we need to be preventive around those things. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are talking to Dr. Eric Shapira. His book is A New Wrinkle, What I Learned from Older People Who Never Acted Their Age. And Dr. Eric Shapiro is a clinical gerontologist. He practiced dentistry for over 30 years, and after suffering a life-altering injury, he left his practice to pursue a degree in another caregiving profession, which is clinical gerontology. And you can log on to the website at agingmentorservices.com. And we're talking about aging, and we're talking about, again, you know, how do, we, how do we look at ourselves in a positive way in aging? What are things that we can do as we get older to make our lives rich and full and, uh, and happy? You're listening to Patricia Raskin, Positive Living, right here on voiceamerica.com. Write to me, Patricia, at patriciaraskin.com. And stay tuned, folks. So we're going to come right back with Dr. Eric Shapiro. We'll be right back. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Hey, Dad. What? I can't get the ketchup bottle open. Here, let me try. Here you go. Thanks. You don't have to be a hero to be a hero. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Hi, everybody. We are back. You are listening to Patricia Raskin, Positive Living, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. And today we're talking about aging, positive aging. My guest is Dr. Eric Shapira, and his book is A New Wrinkle, What I Learned from Older People Who Never Acted Their Age. Eric Shapiro practiced dentistry for over 30 years on the Half Moon Bay coast side. 
and he was an educator and has taught courses in healthy aging and successful aging, as well as courses in geriatric aesthetic dentistry and special patient care. And uh, in 2008, Dr. Schreer was awarded the title of Visiting Professor of Geriatric Medicine and Nursing by People's Hospital II and the Government of China for his volunteer teaching efforts and work there last summer. And he is now a clinical gerontologist. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. Tell us about this Government of China. How exciting. Oh, it was very exciting, very different. Uh, it was very foreign to me. I, I went with an open mind and no expectations, and I was very shocked because I went two days after the earthquake in 2008, and um, I found that uh, right away they whisked me up into a conference room when I got there. I was in a little village of three million people about 1,200 miles north of Beijing in a city called Taiyuan, and uh, I was the first American at this hospital. And so they actually talked to me about being a political uh, liaison from America to China. When all along I thought I was going there to teach. Uh, here I am now being thought of as a political liaison and someone who's going to help them improve their health care system, which is, mm-hmm. you know, what I went there to teach anyway. But uh, they expected me to get some How did you find it there, so teaching? How would you compare that to teaching here, Eric? Well, I had to teach through a translator, which was difficult, and I wasn't sure if what I was saying was what they were really hearing or understanding. I was hopeful of that. I, I gave one lecture on writing a legacy, how to, how to write a legacy, and the Chinese are very um, closed mouth, if you will. They keep their thoughts very Yes, And, uh, in fact, I had a lecture um, about sex and intimacy over the age of 55, and the head of the government province came to me and said, uh, Dr. Shapiro, I know about your lecture that you want to give. The Chinese like sex, but we don't like to talk about it, so you're not giving your lecture. Mm-hmm. So they were restrictive to some extent. Mm-hmm. But when I taught them how to write a legacy, I asked them to come up and read several paragraphs of what they wrote. Uh, some were hesitant, but until one nurse did it um, and was very emotional about it because she wrote something about someone who died in the earthquake, the rest of them followed. I had about 350 nurses I was teaching along with several hundred physicians and den- and several hundred dentists. And um, the government then approached me and said, uh, we heard that you uh, you got some of our people to cry. And I, then I got scared because I thought they were going to uh, yeah, come down. Yeah, they wouldn't like that. No, but they did. I mean, they said oh, wonderful. they were very grateful that I was able to tap their feelings. And How is aging thought of differently there in Asia than it is here? How are they? What I'm How is aging thought of differently there than it is here? Well, they're in the midst of a social, cultural, and economic revolution. They want what we have, but they're in the they're in a communist government, so mm-hmm. it's difficult. They're allowed to have one child. They expect their parents to help them with that child, but yet they don't have the time to take care of their parents. So the parents are left on their own. We think of a very close family. Um, nucleus and a close family structure, and that kind of idea is being uh, broken apart. It's the same thing in India, where families don't want the parents with them anymore, mm. and that's kind of that came as kind of a shock to me because I come from a very close family, and even though I don't live with my my mother now, um, we certainly talk every day, and uh, and if I could, I'd have her here, but uh, she she holds her own, and so I respect that. But in in China, you've got 
a young couple with one child and two sets of parents, and they just don't have the time to take care of either set of parents. Mm -hmm. So the older people are left to fend for themselves, and that's part of the problem with the government. They don't know what hospice care is or palliative care, although they keep people in hospitals for several years, and they called upon me to say, what do we do with this person? Their family's given up on them. We're paying the bill to keep them alive. When when do we when do we do that? When do we when do we pull the plug? And that's a really hard thing to deal with. And they've got millions of people like that, and about two and a half million people die each year from smoking alone. Hmm. So they've got a lot of habits, and they've got a lot of pollution that they're dealing with, and they've got a lot of things that are, I guess. Uh, similar to any other part of the world, but still, all in all, it's a separatist kind of society with parents and children. Interesting. And here, you know, here, as you talk about in your book, we are in the sandwich generation because so many of us feel that responsibility, not just to our children, but to our parents. Yes. Yes, I think we should be very responsible for our parents, uh, you know, but I also... We we also should be our own entities and be independent and teach and and treat them as if they are independent. Um, Khalil Gibran said, well, "You know, we come through our parents, but we are not our children. Come through us, but they are not us." Mm-hmm. And the same thing with our parents. We we come through our parents, but we are not our parents. So I think you know if you want to if you want to take care of your parents in a sense, then you need to be respectful of the fact that if they're cognizant and they're functional. Um, that they have an opinion. So to go around them by saying, well, you're going in an old-aged home right now, Mom, uh, without discussing it with her if she's lucid and able to function on all all levels, uh, that's not mutual respect. And I, I really practice mutual respect. Mm-hmm. That's allowing someone to have thoughts and information. Uh, we have a few minutes left before break. Let's talk about the whole idea of memory and aging, yes. Alzheimer's prevention, you know, prevention, memory prevention. Um, uh, talk about that. That's big. Yeah, it's very big. There's a ton of research going on right now about Alzheimer's disease or what most people call old-timer's disease. Um, it used to be called dementia praecox. Mm. It is a form of dementia. There are different types of memory diseases and different causes of memory disease. The most common is mild cognitive impairment, that's nothing more than a simple lack of, you know, where did I leave my glasses kind of a thing. But uh, for most of, us, that's, most of us, that's normal. We're in a very fast-paced, uh, fast-food kind of oriented society. And I used to tell my students, Patricia, you know, we think four times faster than we can hear. So if you finish this lecture before I do, you're free to leave. <laughs> and that's the way it is with us today. We're thinking way ahead of where we're at, and that really causes us to forget things. We cram so many things into our little brains that, you know, we need to take notes on where we left our wallet or where we parked the car. What well, and I we find when I'm distracted, you know, when I'm just, and I say I need to do that, and then something pulled me and distracted me, and I left the house and didn't do it. That's right. So carry a little memory book with you, a little notebook you can write things down or a tape recorder where you can tape record thoughts at the moment so you'll remember them or your appointments. And um, Alzheimer's is a genetic phenomena for the most part. You can diagnose it through scans and now through um, a simple genetic blood test. Most people would not want to do that, though. They're afraid. And I think if we're in a preventive-oriented 
arena, it's prudent for us to find out whether we have the potential for that disease or not and try to stave it off. And there's ways of doing that through, as I said, brain exercise, staying active. And uh, Harvard did a study, and they found that if you dance three times a week for 30 minutes, you have a 25% chance, less of a chance of having Alzheimer's than a person who does I also heard crossword puzzles. Yes, any kind of brain stimulation. A Sudoku is a great one. Sudoku puzzles. Are you familiar with those? I'm not. It's a, a Japanese uh, mathematical puzzle in in blocks of nine um, put together, and I think there's like 81 squares in the in this large block, and you have to put the numbers one to nine on a line without duplicating it. It's quite ingenious and uh, sometimes very difficult, but it really gets your brain going. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things you do, I'm, I'm looking here on your website, because a lot of what you talk about, you also help people. So you yes. do counseling for individuals and families in transition. You do some memory training. You yes. do this on the phone. You do it in person. Mm-hmm. You help caregivers. So a lot of what you write in your book, you really help people individually. Yeah, I'm hands-on. Absolutely. Right. And so if people hear this and they'd like to work with you, they don't have to be in person, correct? That's right. That's right. They can call me, and I'd be happy to help them. Okay. But it's better if I'm in the in the you know in the direct vicinity where I can go and be with them. And I you know my I tell people I'm half old guy will travel even though I'm not old. <laughs> I've been uh, I've gone different places to help people, especially with abuse problems, elder abuse, mm-hmm. which is very prevalent in our society. What are you seeing, Eric, as as you consult with people? What are you seeing is the main issue? Is it being a caregiver? Is it memory? You know, is it um, financial issues? What are you seeing? Patricia, two issues. One issue is with the children and in crisis mode because I see most people in crisis. And the second issue is with the parents uh, with their state of decline. So they so both the sandwich both the, yes. the the person comes to you because they're having issues with their children and with their parents. Yes. Well, it's also a, a child of an of an aging parent who will come to me and say, "Here's an example." A seventy young year old lady came to me and said, "My older sister wants to put my parents in a home now in assisted living, and I don't want that to happen. They're in, they're independent. They live in their own home. I think they should stay there." The sister didn't want me to facilitate a meeting with the family, so I met with this one woman, and I also have met with several people on the phone doing conference calls to work out problems or challenges, if you will. And we ended up giving this woman some scenarios that she could take to a family meeting and things worked out because she knew where she was going. If you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. So you have to have a plan. And part of of it, too, is the emotion, the guilt and the shame and the fear that gets so mixed up in this that you can't, sometimes you're not thinking clearly or objectively. That's right. If you're emotional, you can't be rational. It's very difficult. And a lot of children of aging parents have a lot of guilt about wanting or even thinking about putting them in a facility or having them put somewhere where they can be taken care of because they don't have the time to do it. My mother was one of those people. My mother was an only child. Her mother was aging and not well, and my father got sick with cancer, and uh, she couldn't take care of both of them. And my, mother, my grandmother lived with us, so my grandmother went into an assisted living, and that's where she stayed till she died. But the guilt and the, um, the worry that my mother had was, you know, unfathomable. I, I mean, I wouldn't want to have been in her head to see what she was thinking at the time, but I know she felt extremely guilty about doing that to her mother. 
as an only child, but she was dedicated to helping my dad in the time that he had left. So it was very, very difficult for her, and it was very difficult for all of us because we had to spend a lot. We went and spent a lot of time with my grandmother, so she wouldn't be alone. It's a time commitment on, on either end, whether it be li- them living at home and being independent, or whether they let people live in a facility and can be independent in the facility to some extent. If they, if, if you don't have your normal activities of daily living, your ADLs, getting dressed, you're not able to dress yourself or go to the bathroom or comb your hair, or then you need help. Then you definitely need some help. But it's in stages. You don't have to go radical all the way. You can do it in stages, depending on what the the functions are that and are missing. And if the family can work together, that's another important piece. That's a big thing, and I teach people how to do that. I teach families how to work together. All right, we're going to talk about that after the break. My guest today is Dr. Eric Shapira. His book is A New Wrinkle, What I Learned from Older People Who Never Acted Their Age. Dr. Eric Shapira is a clinical gerontologist. He practiced dentistry for over 30 years. And after suffering a life-altering injury, he left his practice to pursue a degree in another caregiving profession, which is clinical gerontology. You can log on to agingmentorservices.com. You're listening to Patricia Raskin, Positive Living, right here on voiceamerica.com. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are, or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. I can take care of myself. I can make a peanut butter sandwich. I can brush my teeth and I can give myself a bath. I can walk home alone from school. I can pick dinner from the trash behind the deli. I can watch the baby for the whole weekend. I can keep a baseball bat by my bed just in case there's trouble. Don't worry about me. I can take care of myself. If you're in jail, who'll be there to take care of your family? Something to think about before committing a gun crime. Gun crimes hit home. This message brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to Patricia Raskin, Positive Living, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. And today we're talking about successful aging. We're talking about baby boomers, and there are 80 million of us on the horizon, and most of us are part of that sandwich generation where we're taking care of our children, who are mostly adults, but also we have our parents, our elder parents. And so how do we do that successfully, and how do we work together with family members? My guest is Dr. Eric Shapira. His book is A New Wrinkle, What I Learned from Older People Who Never Acted Their Age. He is a a former dentist and a clinical gerontologist. He practiced dentistry for over 30 years and is now in the caregiving profession of clinical gerontology. You can log on to two websites, agingmentorservices.com and newwrinklebook.com. Welcome back, Eric. Thank you, Patricia. Is Thank that you. right, New Wrinkle Book or The New Wrinkle Book? 
It's newwrinklebook.com. Okay, good. All right, right before the break, we were talking about how it's really important to work with family members. Let's discuss that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are in, you know, in that position where you have older parents, you're having trouble figuring all this out, let's talk about working together with, in a team. Well, first of all, we, we need to respect our parents, so uh, it's important to broach whatever we feel is a challenge or a specific. I don't like to look at problems as problems. I look at them as unmet needs or challenges. So we need to ask our parents if they feel they have an unmet need in some way. Uh, if they can clarify it, great. If they can't, then they may have a cognitive problem in recognizing that they do have a problem within our our eyes, if you will. Mm-hmm. If we know, if we're noticing that things are missing, the ADLs are not in, uh, not what they should be. Uh, then we, it's time to discuss the fact that they're not doing what they need to do to keep clean or to stay healthy. And uh, if they can't make decisions for themselves, then it's our duty, if you will, to help them by bringing them information. Sometimes we have parents that are combative. They don't want to hear any of this type of thing. But all in all, we need to use mutual respect and uh, be uh, considerate of their feelings and the fact that most most of us want to stay independent, and we tie our dignity and our self-esteem to that. Mm-hmm. So we need to talk about it, and we need a, sometimes we need a facilitator to do that. That's where I would come in or a uh, counselor of some kind or a psychologist or a physician or ger- geriatrician, uh, which is a physician who specializes in uh, medicine for uh, aging. But they don't really do what I do, and I think it's important, first, to talk about things. And second, we need to make a plan. Uh, and when we plan our goals, they need to be smart. And I talked about that in the book. They need smart being an acronym. They need to be specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound so that we can follow a specific type of regimen. We know that within this time span, we're going to get these things done and we're going to move mom or dad or, or the couple. I had one lady who had both parents who were having problems. So one had MS and the other one had dementia. And... She said, what do we do? And I said, well, that's up to you. Do you want to move them into facility, or do you have the faculties to keep them at home? So we need to think about those things. What kind of a burden is it going to be on us to take our parents in our homes? How can we uh, get find respite? Because it's too much for any one person, even a child of an aging parent, to take care of them all the time, 24-7. We need respite care, because if we're not good to ourselves, we're not going to be good to them. We need to stay healthy and strong in order to handle these types of situations. And, and that that's sometimes very hard for the very caregiver hard. because they then feel guilty. Well, you know, and particularly if, God forbid, something happened. Yes. Gee, if I had only been there, if I hadn't gone shopping, you know, if I hadn't right. had my manicure or if I hadn't had my massage, <laughs> you know, so we have to be, that, that can be very tricky, Eric. It is very tricky, and it's very site-specific, I'm going to say that, because, um all circumstances are different. We, we all have similar needs. We all have um, feelings. Uh, some of us may be more callous than others. I have uh, a woman who, you know, she gets guilt tripped by her mother. If she does one thing, she's damned, and if she does another, she's damned, so she's caught in a bind, and that's just her mother's mindset. So she said, what do I do? And I said, well, stop trying to do for your mother and find somebody who can go shopping for your mother so you don't get yelled at for buying a bunch of grapes instead of three. And sometimes there's control issues involved here. 
where the parents, in order to maintain their independence, want to control things, and they can get nasty over that. And that, that's difficult because then that creates defensive mechanisms and rejection, and then the child doesn't want to do anything for their parents. Well, and don't you think that part of this is you're definitely you're not going to change your aging parent, so you have to change, and you have to not take it so personally. Well, you have to compromise. But people, when those parents say those things change. to you, you know, right. if the parent makes that comment or makes a shaming statement, isn't it up to us as, as the adult child to not take that personally and let it affect us? and know that this is where the parent is now, but they don't mean it. Of course, if you're mature enough to deal with it in that, that respect. But if you're used to getting slammed your whole life from your parent, then mm-hmm. it taps an old tape, and then you're going to take it personally. So you have to be very mature. You have to be very self-assured, and you have to be calm. Um, if you react in an emotional manner, uh, then you're not dealing you're not dealing with the situation. So I, I teach people to deal with the emotion first in terms of, I sense your frustration, Mom, and then deal with the information. If you imbibe the information that, that's given to you in a negative manner, you're going to react negatively, mm-hmm. and you're going to get hurt. And most people, if they get hurt, will not respond in a good manner. Um, they get defensive, and then they'll try to put the other person on the defensive by being angry. It's a real interesting mechanism. Our, our brains are very, very um, uh, astute in doing those types of things, and they're incredible. It's incredible how we can think uh, in, with respect to that kind of input. Mm-hmm. So and I think practice, practice comes in, too. Awareness oh, and practice. Definitely. Yeah. If you have an animal at home, and you can, you can practice assertive behavior with your animal because mm-hmm. it's non-threatening. Pick up your cat and tell them that, you feel uncomfortable about the fact that they didn't use their sandbox today. Mm-hmm. You know, rather than throwing the cat across the room and saying, Dad, exactly. I can put sand in the box, use the box. What are some of the most typical questions that you get from, uh, from baby boomers? When you um, give lectures and workshops, they come up to you and they say, Dr. Shapira, and what do you hear over and over? I hear uh, Mom doesn't remember one thing from the next. Uh, we tell her one thing, and then she'll repeat. You know, she'll say one thing, and then ten minutes later, she'll repeat herself. And uh, you know, what do we do about it? Uh, or mom is uh, drinking, and we're afraid that she's going to harm herself in some way. What do we do about it? And I see a lot of alcoholism in older people, especially if they're depressed or they're grieving too uh, too long. Um, and your advice? I, my mother can't. My father can't sleep at night um, and then he gets grouchy how do we how do we deal with this or um, we're giving money my my father's giving money uh, to people at ad nauseum he's he's going out and he's buying lunches for everyone and he's taking people out and we don't know what he's doing and we're concerned or my father really shouldn't be driving but he is how do we deal with that problem all right, so answer some of those questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that let's go to the driving thing because it's a big deal. And you've heard about people crashing through stores or running mm-hmm. people over, and they shouldn't be driving, yada, yada. But um, I think that um, we're not the ones to tell them not to drive. I think it has to come from a physician, and you have to work closely with your fa- your 
parent's physician in order to get them to stop driving if that's the case. If they if the reaction time is down, uh, if they can't remember directions or their rationality is not there anymore, then I think that it's time to look at taking away their license, which you know is a big thing because that's an independence that they depend on. And then you have to figure out transportation issues after that, and that's another big thing. So for every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. What about the drinking issue? We have a couple minutes left before yeah. the call. Uh, I've had several people that have parents who drink uh, clandestinely at night. Uh, one was an 86-year young woman who drinks. No one's home. They're afraid she's going to fall. So nobody wants to take her wine away from her, so I suggested that they dilute it and give her... Um, one dose with her meal, uh, like a shot of wine with her meal, and then uh, lock up everything else and keep it locked up. So they have to regimen it as a prescription dose. And how is she handling that? I think the, that she's okay, but the, at the same time, we got mom involved in a senior center, or an adult day health care mm-hmm. center, where she's active and social, and it takes her mind off being alone. That's really a key right there. Absolutely. All right, uh, closing thoughts, Eric. Yes. People get one thing out of this interview on a new wrinkle of what I learned from older people who never acted their age. What's your message? Well, I think attitude is everything. As I said, if you don't mind getting older, it doesn't matter. But I, th- I think your beliefs, as Gandhi said, your beliefs become your thoughts, and your thoughts become your words, your words become your actions, and your actions become your habits, and your habits become your values, and your values become your destiny. So I think we really need to have clear values. We need to have clear thoughts about aging and how to prevent uh, old age from encroaching on us. And I think attitude is everything. So we, we can't change 10% of what happens to us, but we can change 90% of how we react to it and, uh, and stay healthy mentally. And I think if you're healthy mentally, then there's a good chance if you start early, especially as a baby boomer or before, you're going to be healthy as you age. Thank you so much. And tell people how they can find you and find your material. You can find me at agingmentorservices.com on the, on the net. Uh, my phone number is 650-728-5827 or newwrinklebook.com. And you can get my book on amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com, or request it at any bookstore. And I certainly appreciate everyone uh, reading this book, it's useful information and very helpful, and that's why I wrote it, to make a difference to you and, and have you make a difference to others. Thank you so much for being on the program, Eric. Thank you, Patricia, for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Stay on the line. Folks, my guest has been Dr. Eric Shapiro. His book is A New Wrinkle, What I Learned from Older People Who Never Acted Their Age. All right, we wrap up another Positive Living or Patricia Raskin Positive Living right here on VoiceAmerica.com. As I say at the end of each show, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Have a great Monday and a great week. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com.
listening to Positive Living with Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. For an autographed copy of Patricia's book, Pathfindings, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to raskinresources.com. And tune in next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for Positive Living right here on voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 